Hey all, welcome to Film Suck, a Patreon podcast in which we ponder the work of art in the age of crap cinema. I'm Eileen Jones. I'm Dolores McElroy. And today we're talking about witches in film, a favorite subject of ours. Um, last week I wrote about my favorite on-screen witches, which tended to be romantic comedy witches in the era of the 1940s to the 1960s. And today we're discussing um, the return to witches in horror film. This seems to pivot on somebody making witches scary again. Um, after many years of tame witches and cartoon witches and comic witches and camp and sexy witches, um, Robert Eggers' film *The Witch* did that did the job um, in 2015 with a key movie in the so-called um, folk horror revival of the uh, um, that occurred in the past. I don't know, decade, I think. Mm-hmm. And it includes films such as *Midsummer*, the South Korean film *The Wailing*, um, *The Lamb*, and this year's new witch movie *You Won't Be Alone*, which we were both going to see. But I came down with this hideous flu, which is why I sound terrible. Um, (laughs) And it won't go away. So I have not seen it. Um, I'm very sorry to say. Um, But we're going to get Dolores to report on um, You Won't Be Alone First. This sounds so great. This is directed by Goran Stoblewski. It's his film debut, I understand. And that's so interesting because Robert Eggers, when he did The Witch, that was his feature film debut, which is incredible. Uh, It makes such a great film right out of the gate. Oh yeah, and I, same for same for Gorin. Um, so uh, this is a brilliant film. I loved "You Won't Be Alone" without reservation. Um, it was magical. It was an incredible take on the witch genre. There's a lot going on here that um, is unexpected. Um, so it takes place in 19th century Macedonia, but you can't even really tell the time period. It's just kind of like you know Europe before modernization, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and it it opens with a shot of a cat. And you get the sense that the cat is going to shapeshift or, you know, it has something to do with um, with the witchery uh-huh. and and indeed an animal um, animal nature and shapeshifting from sort of like human to animal forms is a big part of the film. Mm. And the film centers on a folk character named the wolf eateress. <laughs> so mm. um, it opens with a shot of a a humanoid figure, a, a, a woman, I, I suppose, um, with no skin. Mm. Um, and she's sitting by a cradle. And the mother of the child in the cradle uh, comes upon this creature, and it is indeed the wolf eateress, and the mother knows this. And the wolf eateress wants to eat her child because uh, there's nothing like fresh-born blood. And the mother says, look, I'll make you a deal. Why don't you just let my daughter grow until she's 16? And then I'll give you to her. And obviously the mother's trying anything to just, you know, stall and and earn some more time with her daughter. And so uh, the mother and the wolf eateress says, okay, but you know, like how, what, this is just going to be a promise with words. So the mother marks her own self, um, cuts into her flesh with a a bloody cross as a symbol Mm -hmm. of the promise. And the wolf eateress reaches into the baby's mouth and... I guess uh, it takes her voice, um, leaves mm. a sort of like bloody wound, um, but the wound heals and she takes the child's voice. Mm. And this is really important. So the the first part of the film is really miserable. It takes place with this child being raised in a uh, an old cave. And the, the mother takes her child to a cave where that used to be like some kind of chapel. You know, mm-hmm. these things are all over everywhere. And so there are like, you know, angels sort of on the on the crumbling cave walls. Um, 
And she she puts her in there until she's 16 and she doesn't let her out because she's so full of fear that mm. the wolf eateress will get the daughter. And so the daughter, you know, hates her life. She's sensor, sensorily deprived. Um, she has no education. She doesn't speak. Um, and she does a lot of hitting her head against rocks. And it's like oh, truly miserable. <laughs> but what comes out of this that's so interesting is she develops her own unique way of speaking and of understanding the world. So she has like an odd metaphorical um speech and this film is i i am actually i'm not sure what the language is i don't know if macedonian is an actual language i hate to be so ignorant um but it is subtitled mm-hmm. and it's it's subtitled in in a way that expresses this poetic way of seeing the world you know um so that first of all is kind of amazing because they sustain this throughout the whole film and it doesn't mm-hmm. bother you <laughs> or it wow, didn't bother that's me truly amazing yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is it yeah. is and <clears throat> so much of the film is about uh it's the conversation that comes up in many witch films between like uh you know the world as it is experienced by like quote normal humans um and the sort of you know miraculous world of witches but this film doesn't have that usual conversation um the normal the regular world is shown to be quite spectacular um when the girl is 16 the wolf eateress comes to get her in that cave she arrives in the form of a hawk and she escorts her out of the cave and and into the light and um the most memorable scenes of the film are of the girl experiencing the world for the first time, the sun Mm -hmm. and the water and the breeze and the leaves. Um, And that's done, uh, you know, in a million different ways. It would be, it does sound kind of Terrence Malicky and it does Mm -hmm. have a little bit of that, but in the best way. Um, And, you know, they tilt the horizon line like 90 degrees to convey the sense of being the sense of like vertigo coming out of this cave. And um, so intriguingly, uh, this tracks, you know, that the the sort of witch um, gives the girl a more magical heightened sense of the world. But then if you look at it another way, it's she's really not giving her any like magical powers. It's just the girl mm. experiencing the world itself. Um, mm. So. Oh, and oh, just yeah. cutting quickly. We should note, of course, we're sp- it's going to be spoilers galore. So. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. Spoilers galore. <laughs> well, up to this point, you're still talking early in the movie. So I am. I think it's a good time to say we're going to spoil the hell out of this and all the other movies we talked about, which won't be meant. Go ahead. Turn back now. <laughs> Go see the film and then and then come listen to this because, yeah, I'm about to spoil everything. Um, so long story short, <clears throat> the, the girl doesn't like this wolf eateress. <clears throat> She's mean. Uh-huh. She's kind of mean. <laughs> and um, she, you know, the girl has a sort of like soft spot for the life that she's supposed to learn how to eat, like the bunnies and the cows. She does. You know, she's not it's not none of this film is sentimental. Nothing, yeah. nothing about it is sentimental, which is amazing. Um, uh-huh. It shows the brutality of life in Europe, just utterly brutal. Women giving women taking time out from the harvest to go have a child by the fucking fence. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. like literally back to the cornfields, wife of Boris, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just uh-huh. utter fucking misery, which is good. It's good to show that. And just when you think like, ah, OK, this is a critique of like life under patriarchy that tracks, you know, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't it. it it that's there but it does that's not the ultimate point of the film so she she the our main character is able to inhabit the bodies of any kind of person whose heart she steals and puts into her own body and it's Mm -hmm. gory as hell um and she does this several times she becomes a woman 
and that woman has a brutal husband. Um, then she decides to become a man because being a woman seems like it sucks. Uh, being a man is better. Um, but the best is when she becomes a child, she puts mm. herself into the body of a little girl and she, she's never known love like that. And of course she herself didn't get to have a childhood. So that's spectacular. And then she chooses to come back as a woman a couple of times. And what's interesting about this film it's not like it doesn't go pro witch or pro human. It's kind of a mix. Um, but at the end, the the our main character decides to live as a human. She has a small child. Um, she ends up killing the witch who made her. Because mm. that witch seems miserable. <laughs> mm. It seems like a favor. And uh, but she and her child are still marked as witches. Um, they still carry that, although they're like choosing to live as humans and it doesn't seem sinister. The whole conversation throughout the film is about how brittle and breaking and wrenching the world is. Mm -hmm. She even gets burned at the stake once. Um, oh, wow. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the refrain is, and yet, and yet, you know, Mm -hmm. so it, and yet at the end she chooses life and she chooses to live amongst a human community Mm -hmm. and, so it's a marvelous, like, she doesn't renounce her witchiness all the way. She seems to accept her child, for one thing. Um, but the world, harsh as it is and harsh as it has been for her, seems like something that she chooses mm-hmm. and, and finds magical. And this film is, oh, my God, there are just so many unforgettable things. I don't even know how to begin to count them. Mm. Um one of the one of the noticeable things is how sort of right and wrong the human communities are in their folk beliefs. Mm. Like they seem to correctly identify when someone has been taken over by this witchy spirit. Mm. Um, but what but they their ceremonies are inadequate to combating it, you know, mm. um, it uh, I don't know. I can't stop thinking about it. Like it's poetic on every level. It's so enchanting. The acting is fucking phenomenal. Um, all of the women who play this main character and the one guy are amazing. Um, just... Yeah, the only name I recognized was Numi Rapace. Yes, did, uh, the original girl with um, girl with the dragon tattoo. Exactly. She's fabulous. She's the woman who gets brutalized. Um, she's uh, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so it seems like, and so Eileen, maybe we should trace some of the usual like witch film conflicts. Um, mm. it, it, does that sound unusual to you? The way that this well, some of it, yes, yeah, some of it does definitely. Um, um, I just wanted to ask quickly. The, the so the original witch spirit or witch being or whatever it's the wolf eateress. Yeah, the wolf eateress. <laughs> yeah, is there an indication of why that creature? is miserable to the point that it doesn't seem to have an accommodation with the world that kill it's a mercy killing not a satisfying one it seems Uh, like she uh she does it has to do with her relationship to child rearing this whole thing is about daughters mm -hmm. and um when she comes to get the girl when she's 16 she actually comes in the guy's first as first of a hawk and then of the girl's mother and she leads her up into the world like in the body of her mother and Mm then uh morphs into herself um right. and when her mother promised her to the wolf eateress she basically promised her a daughter so the wolf eateress like kind of unsuccessfully mothers the girl and the girl oh. kind of rejects her mothering oh. um and at the end the wolf the wolf eateress torments her throughout her life and follows her and even murders people who are close to her who she comes to love and at the end she confronts the wolf eateress um who has come to visit her child 
who she mm-hmm. had. It's the first child she has in this journey. And um, she obviously she's prepared to do anything to protect her child. But it's more than that. The wolf eateress is so angry that she's able to have this child and that it seems to come like easily to her um mm. mothering and loving and all of these things um mm. and she seems regretful and envious and that seems like the source of her misery although why she should be sort of like regretful or envious uh doesn't make a lot of sense like there's no or it, i mean there's no or like, unless you follow that line of this is actually about this is thematically about the mother-daughter thing then it seems like you know, taking a line through Freud, there's a lot that makes sense. <laughs> well, ex- you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's a. It doesn't make sense outside of like a very perhaps like conventional <laughs> view yeah. of 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 women and what they want or should want. <laughs> but, well, or oh, I meant more like you know, women's place in the patriarchy is is this horrifying, you know, kind of a horrifying one where you're never going to be allowed to be fully adult fully realized and what can the mother do for you the mother isn't the seat of power so what can the mother do but sort of hand you the poison the poison chalice and say drink ah and then you get to be me (laughs) (laughs) then you get to be me and then who wants that and that that whole idea of like if the power is the male line Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why would you want to be your mother (laughs) you know that's the melodrama thing like oh my god i have to be my quote-unquote mother and the mother figure is usually the first wife and rebecca it's usually a first wife figure who's gone mad in the attic or you know, whatever, been murdered by the husband or whatever, and then you get to be next. You get to be the next brutalized being. Very much so. And the yeah. wolf eater, at the beginning of the film, the wolf eater is promises a way out of that. And she, like, self-consciously says, like, oh, just you wait. You think this looks good? They'll uh-huh. get you. They're not going to let you rest. It, you know, your life is going to suck. You'll right. come back to me. Um, but she ends up not. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah. In other words, it sounds like she, she breaks out. Exactly. Uh, how did she break out, though? That's interesting. Yeah. She just finds her own, I don't know, she finds her own way. She finds her own way to be a different kind of mother. Ex- ex- that very yeah. much so. And she, yeah, yeah. she sort of self-consciously, she's sort of beautiful in her endless curiosity of like trying to figure out how the world works. Mm. Like she's always spying on different populations, like, you know, young men, children, whatever, and thinking to herself like, ah, oh, so that's it. Okay. That's what they do. Um, uh. And she's very self-consciously trying to like learn how to be a human in many different forms. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that through her like uh, conscious pursuit, um, she does figure out a compromise that works for her. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but again, it's not sentimental, you know, like the brutality of everything is like very much in the foreground. Mm. Um, but, and yet, and yet, you know, there's so much beauty. There's the leaves and the running brook and the harvest and all of those things. So yeah, mm. it's, um, wow. it, it's it. unexpected, mm. very unexpected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause, cause yeah, if we, well, let's do some thematics just because, you know, the mother daughter thing is, is, is pretty, at least in, in something like, if you look on the lighter side, which is what I wrote about, like bewitched, say, yeah. <laughs> um, when you look at the romantic comedy thing, of course, all these conditions, so many of the conditions change, but there's still the sense that, you know, among the monsters where the woman has power is the witch. That's mm-hmm. where, that's where matriarchal power comes to the fore, even if there are warlocks who are also powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you know Bewitched well, which I do, <laughs> um, they're, they, what, they're, it's run by an all-female witch's council and, and, and the lead young woman's witch who mm-hmm. marries a, a, a mortal and enrages her mother. Her mother is on the witch's council. Mm-hmm. So they rule. 
Um, so that's pretty common that, that the women have the power um, and they have, you know, they have everything. They have, you know, total sexual freedom. It's, it's interesting because for such a, in, in those films, of, and I, in, in the essay I talk about, Bell Book, they're, they're again, 40s, 50s films, Bell Book and Candles, 58, I Married a Witch is 42, and then Bewitched runs from 64 to 70. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's, it's, it's all, what, what was I, no, I just lost my train of thought, damn it. Um, <laughs> the matriarchy. <laughs> no, I might have to ask you to cut that out. Let me think. Um, um, the, oh, what is it? Yeah, the, 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 there's this strong matriarchal line in Bell Book and Candle. Gill- Gillian is the lead, um, young, again, young woman, young blonde, they're all blondes, mm-hmm. um, as if to make them um, lighter and more somehow less dangerous than a, a dark-haired <laughs> witch would be. Um, they have more power, so Gillian has the most power of the other members of her family and so on. Mm-hmm. So that's typical, but the, 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 you know, if, it's a, if it's the romantic comedy or the comedy, sitcom comedy genre or whatever, it, all three have roughly the same plot. The young witch woman who has a lot of power is going to cede it all voluntarily for not just a mortal man, but a barely adequate mortal man. Like mm-hmm. of all mortal men, why, why pick? It's complete. Nobody. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it, and you and either you lose your power through love, or or you voluntarily cede it. In the case of um, Samantha and Bewitched, right? So so this so this whole relationship of the woman can be all powerful until. Until she finds love, till she falls in love, which is kryptonite to her usually, mm-hmm. and will lock her down forever into powerless mortality. Right. But it's presented as if, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, watching the end of those is always hard. So in one way or another, you're all, it seems like with witches, you're always going to be dealing with, okay, what's the position of the woman in society in relation to power, love, and the patriarchy yes. and the world? Yes. So... So that seems basic um, of of all the ones I can think of anyway. I mean, there's not that there aren't exceptions. I mean, in the 40s, there's a, a witch movie called The Seventh Victim that's very cool. It takes mm-hmm. a very unusual tack in that there's a, it's a pair of sisters. One sister goes missing, the other sister is searching for her, and she finds out this, this, this sister has joined a coven. Mm-hmm. But it's a New York City coven of witches. But they simply act like bohemian sophisticates. They hang around <laughs> having cocktails and having card parties and the and they're and so they're very very disappointing, and because they're just not they're not a conduit to anything larger. The sister who had who had disappeared is the reason she's disappeared is she's hiding because they're going to kill her for for quitting the coven, right? And the way they kill you is to try to force you to drink poison, or just send a basically send a thug after you to knife you in an alley, <laughs> right? So it's also low. <laughs> this woman is seeking, and she even she names her cosmetics company. She's wealthy. Um, la Jess. she's after wisdom after the larger hmm. the bigger and of course that nothing is more disappointing than this you know this 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 cocktail party you know group of <laughs> low-level powerless unimpressive looking witches mm-hmm. so that's but that's an unusual that's a val loon movie and they're all in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it, it's much more usual especially in that era to make make light of it make a comedy out of it make a romantic comedy and and when you see the few, there's not that many pivots to to the really scary witch, which is part of what made the Robert Eggers move so shocking. I can still remember being in the theater, just going, "Oh my god, he's made a terrifying witch!" I can't believe it. I, I did. I couldn't even think of when I had ever seen one. Yeah, in the movie. 
exactly. And this is um, this is definitely in conversation with the witch. Um, the witch ends. Uh, re- refresh my memory, Eileen. You've seen this uh, more recently, yeah. but it ends with like a sort of unambiguous. Um, uh, like bolstering of the witch lifestyle. It's absolutely. like, yeah, you know, life in Puritan, you know, New England, it absolutely fucking sucks. Who would not be a yeah. witch, <laughs> right? Yeah, again, it's it's yeah. it's a movie that starts in a bad place and just gets steadily worse. It's it's one of the most relentless, wonderfully relentless movies I've ever seen. It literally starts off with the pay, the father of the family being such an insane religious purist that he's challenging the the Puritan authority in the settlement and they throw him out. throw the family out and it's 1620 something so you know you're barely going to be able to survive in the settlement so as soon as they're they're literally five minutes into the film they're in their little wooden wagon lurching out of the gate into total wilderness and you're like they're Mm. all gonna die Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. all gonna die there is no way that's gonna work yep so it starts there so you can imagine how how the work is every and then of course the the predation it seems by whatever these they're all female voices they hear kind of keening in in the terrifying woods he also returns terror to the wilderness the woods which is great to see mm-hmm. we should have nine million movies about that why don't we is it just we can't find the woods there are no woods no. anymore i think <laughs> he had to go to canada. he had to he had to go hunting in canada for woods that were like big enough they're cu- they're cutting so those sad. down too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they are. <laughs> the boreal so forest. The, that's yeah. probably why. <laughs> yeah. But at any rate, um, so so it already you're right. It just starts from the dire, and you know what what is the the life of the young woman, and I'm already forgetting her name, Thomason, who's mm. played by first role ever. Yes. Anya Taylor Joy, fabulous, she, phenomenal, fabulous. Yeah. That is a star, man. So anyway, she's great, and she but she's the questioner while her father's challenging the authority. They keep showing her dubious face, like going, "Oh my god." what what's this is not good mm-hmm. but she's the only one who seems to be the mother is going right along with it looking looking you know she's intensely religious obviously mm-hmm. and believing and it's the daughter who's a teenager who's already start who's the questioning one um so at any rate but what it's the steps by which she gets driven toward satan if you will yes um are because she's constantly being accused of being witch. Mm-hmm. Of, or, I'm not, uh, of, and before that, of just being a bad daughter, yes. not doing the work properly, not minding her hellion. And they might literally be already in contact with Satan through a black goat named Black Philip, who's mm-hmm. quite a terrifying and great actor. Great goat acting. <laughs> um, uh, so these two little monster twins that she's trying to take care of. And they, she winds up, of course, initially losing the baby. She's playing peekaboo. And in, in a moment of, you know, when she opens her eyes, the baby has been snatched by what appears to be a red cloaked witch. Mm-hmm. But at every turn, the accusations rain down on her and it goes from everything from, you know, you you have been trying to like corrupt your young brother sexually mm-hmm. and maybe even your father. And this is, you know, you see the brother sort of peeking at her because, you know, that's the other thing. They have no community. Right. What are these kids going to do? Oh. <laughs> Who are they going to have to like get together with? There's no one out there. Gross. So it's such it's such mad hubris to have done this in the first place, and it's all the father's fault, and he doesn't admit this until the very very end. Yeah, when you know they're just being laid waste to, you know, and the and the and the and the the young girl gets blamed for everything right up to the point that her mother is attacking her and trying to kill her, trying to strangle her, and she has to kill her own mother. It, but it's yeah. a, it's an amazing movie for the way the mother is the one who's the, with the most ferocious anger toward the daughter. Right. You know, much more than an aimed at the husband father figure. 
So that seems to be the chief. It's the mother who wants to get rid of the daughter and send her to work with a family back in the community so they don't have to have her around. So in, in every way, not only is life brutal, is the future a blank? How are you, even if you can survive, what's going to happen out there? And, and it's just such an awful life in every way <laughs> Yeah. that by the end, when she, it's just her, everyone's dead. She's out there. She'll die next. Um, and, and Black Phillip, she's talking to Black Phillip and turns into a kind of satanic figure in black who then whispers to her, would you like a pretty dress? Would you like <laughs> to see the world? Would you like to live deliciously? <laughs> and, you know, the answer is going to be yes, please. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you get a very unambiguous if you're going with this, you know, which I assume you are. I guess you could try to make up. Uh, no, it's she's gone mad. It's all in her head. It <laughs> does not play that way at all because you're fully in the, you know, the imagine the, the world, the way the way they would have seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah. She goes off and joins the, the witches dance. In the woods. Do. Yes. And it's great. So, and I'm, I'm oh, so yeah. down to like, uh, you know, like totally let's have an unambiguously sort of like radical feminist (laughs) witch film that's you know it's the best kind of witch film and it's Um, but it's interesting when you think about it because they have never up to that point every time you encounter the witch the witch is so terrifying yeah the witch and they go right for things that are you know i would have thought would have been considered tricky like the the witch as hag as the crone figure which of course is considered impolitic you know that the idea of it's you know the whole the whole take of the last many decades actually that, you know, it's the women who had power. Either they had, you know, medicinal power because they became very edu- self-educated in, you know, herbal treatments, mm-hmm. or they had land or whatever. They were older. They had some sort of authority in the world. They were the ones getting accused of being witches and killed because they had power yes. of some sort, or some sort of perceived power in the community that people didn't like, or there were grudges to be settled or whatever. And that you go after these old these old women who aren't serving the roles that are convenient to patriarchy, and that's why they witch trials, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but they, but th- th- that was another astonishing thing to have them go right for the crone. Um, was like wow. And then of course there's a there's another guise of the seductress who then will turn into the crone. So she right. lures in the younger brother. It's a really terrifying scene. She's this incredibly mesmerizingly gorgeous woman. And as she embraces him, you see the kind of withered, the arm withering um, of the of the crone. So they, the way they go for that is really fascinating because, you know, it's not as if she doesn't know this. She knows all this and goes into it anyway. Yeah. I, the, and this, so you won't be alone, has a lot of the same like attitudes towards that. Like they're the, you know, our sort of protagonist occupies the shape of a seductress. She does have wolf-like claws when she wants them to be visible Mm -hmm. all of these things um what i think is the most interesting and what i haven't seen yet is like it's the most complex attitude towards gender in any like witch film i've ever seen in the best way um it avoids like any easy interpretation it's it's definitely like full of feminist critique no doubt about it but it Uh also doesn't hate men it like Mm -hmm. it acknowledges that men have things easier in some ways some you know but she also falls in love with this man um with one of the you know men in her life and one of the many guises and Mm. it's just the fullest she's you know she's tortured by some men and uh, very much in love with others and Mm. um she's uh, aware of herself as a 
another kind of creature, but doesn't mm-hmm. hate herself for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she's endlessly curious and sort of like newborn. And her sort of refrain is like, what isn't strangeness? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and it's true. Everything's so fucking weird anyway. It's like, why not? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's just wonderful. And she doesn't, even though she does, even though she kills the sort of witch who made her, I don't think she kills her in a way that says, like, uh, it's horrible to be this kind of creature. Mm. Um, I think she just sees this particular creature suffering. Mm. Um, and it, it's also caused her suffering, you know, so it's also defensive. But, um, mm. yeah, I, I'm just, like, gobsmacked by it. And again, like, it shares the virtue of the witch and that it makes rural life very scary (laughs) yeah which you know is very much part of the of the of the larger folk horror phenomena which you could just yes you could just simplify and say the countryside is terrifying yes (laughs) and the past is terrifying and you put those two together and like totally (laughs) so much sitting on dirt and like leaning up against rocks and it's like (laughs) oh my god i'm a taurus and just like i really appreciate material comfort (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not expensive things just yeah. soft things like yeah. I, i'm a sort of like 100 cotton girl it's like mm. i cannot even imagine living in that level of like filth and itchiness yeah. <laughs> and no. just like hardness like fuck, it looks absolutely awful <laughs> oh yeah and even and i've always just thought well i wouldn't have survived child so. <laughs> <laughs> that would have just taken care of me and uh, no way come on there's just no way Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so awful to even contemplate. You know, it still has it's still fascinating. I and mean, obviously there's all this weird there's a, you know, a, a lot of people who have some sort of weird nostalgic longing for a cleaned up version of back to the land and everything. In I fact, do. I have that. Yes. This is such good medicine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yes, because you know, as soon as you try to do anything on the land, it's hard. Oh my <laughs> god. Every chore. I only know this from even having a yard, a big yard now. I'm going <laughs> Every, I'm like Homer Simpson when he tries to build that grill on The Simpsons. Why does everything have to be so hard? Where he's hurling <laughs> tools all around and screaming. <laughs> that is me. Um, so just, yeah, and I'm in this basically, a, 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 practically a city, a, t- a town attached pretty well to the city. Yeah. So imagine, put me out in the room. And I have the same <laughs> longing, believe me. I almost was going to buy a house way the hell out in the country. And, you know, kindly friends talked me out of it. Yeah. Uh, thank God. Because, yeah, I mean, it's so nice to visit, you know, nothing like a weekend out there going, oh, this is lovely. Well, oh. I get to go now. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm with you. And I I always like Google, like, I, I, I tell you about this, probably, probably bore you to tears, but like, I'm always Googling like my ancestors, <laughs> like the ancestral uh-huh. villages. <laughs> and I like, this is like my pastime. It's like, you know, instead of looking at like Facebook or whatever, I like Google the very small towns where my family's from in Italy. And mm-hmm. I have such like, you know, a, a nostalgia for them, even though I've never been. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And there actually is one of those rock grottos in this, in my grandmother's town, Valle dell'Angelo in Campania. Yeah. And it looks just just like the fucking rock place where they take this poor sensorily deprived girl <laughs> in, in this film. And I'm just like, Oh my God, Dolores. Like, yeah, that's so brutal. Like uh-huh. people were just fucking worshiping in caves. Imagine how cold it is there. Yeah. And like, it's just like, you actually uh. don't want to go back to the homeland. And like, no. if you look at these places today, like that my grandmother's town only got electricity in the 1990s. <laughs> Like, oh my god yeah it's like really late and uh you can get an airbnb you'd have to like 
try so hard to spend more than $26 a night. <laughs> like oh these places are still so impoverished and like the yeah. places they have to rent out are like, here is a low stone hut in the mountains. Like you literally need to heat up water on the fire to have a shower. <laughs> like, I mean, a magical maybe for like three days, but like uh-huh. I would lose my mind. You oh, know, I know. I know. So, I know. Yeah. in my family, you've got the real old world. I've just got the American version. My, our, our, you know, ancestor of very near of who fixated all of our attention with the matriarch of our family. My grandmother comes from like, well, it's just the, the top of the Appalachians basically, which is, you know, comes into New York state, goes on up to England. Which most realized. Yeah. And yeah, she comes from backwoods hill country. And we went to visit her, the town or the, the place where she was born. It was called Sawmill Run. Whoa. And we went to this <laughs> place and I said, where is it? And they're like, this is it. And it was literally like a crossroads. Up against a huge, and there was still forests down there. I don't know about now. And it was just, I, it was terrifying. It was terrifying just to stand there. It was just like, there's oh nothing God. here. There's nothing here. What was and there? Like, Do you know? Like what, obviously a sawmill. There was a sawmill. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a little cluster of very poor houses. And, you know, there was just nothing there. Did your family was, work in the sawmill? Um, I, on her side, I think there was, they were mainly impoverished farmers. Like, yeah. you know, by the time my, my, my mother and aunts knew and, we're experiencing it. They were impoverished, depression era tenant farmers, which is not good. Is it time but to all talk the, about all our... the stories are so terrifying that to hear them is to be fascinated and to be like, thank God that's I'm not doing that. Thank yes. God. Yeah. Is it so, time? Do we tell? Should we tell the listeners about like our witchy ancestors? Is it time that you told them <laughs> about your grandmother? Oh, is that well, all that she came out of you know a world where prophetic dreams and ghosts and you know all the occult stuff was just a completely normal part of your life and you were always seeing somebody dead yeah so i had a grandmother who would tell me when i was a little kid like she would stay up late sewing she was, she was very very excellent seamstress could make like a full suit lined and everything and she would say oh yeah they come to me at night and they'll come and sit down and talk and she said there's one guy who comes this older man and I, you wouldn't even know he was dead except he doesn't have any eyes and this is my grandmother telling me, and I'm like, Tad. You know, so that was just normal, though. They all were seeing it. It was all part. And when you saw the woods, you were kind of like, that makes somehow that makes sense. That yeah. makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> and Sawmill Run. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, so I, yeah, oh go ahead. Well, no, I don't. I don't have that level of my my grandmother would always do the scary Catholic shit. Like this no. is my great grandmother Ange, um, and she would always from Valle dell'Angelo, and she would always say like the Virgin Mary is weeping tears of blood. I saw her last night, and I was like, what? <laughs> I am five. Why are you telling me this? Um, but I I looked up. I when I get into this like genealogy shit, I I told Eileen this like their patron saint is this weird saint called san barbato and it's from the like lombard era but he was a witch killer and he's a oh, weird really? saint he's like a witch hunter witch um hunter. there's a place called benevento which is very old not so far well far-ish from but same region um as my grandmother's town and the witches of benevento are like kind of famous there's actually a netflix series about them luna nera highly recommend oh yeah it's italian um and it was it's great um Anyways, so this Barbato, I guess, um, went and, you know, waged sort of war against the witchings in this uh-huh. area. And this area had like a long history of witchings because it's part of good old like Magna Grecia. And they mm-hmm. had um, 
lots of temples to Diana. And mm. so the, the old religion stuck around and, um, and he didn't, mm. he didn't like that. Um, but San Barbato is so like uh, rare. There are only, I think five towns in Italy that have him as a patron saint. So wow. I like to think where there's San Barbato, there are witches. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a film we yeah. should watch. It's called the, called the witch hunter general. I'm down. It's, a, it's it's the it's the Wicker Man era of the seventies. Oh, nice. One of the, it's one of the big three. The other is Blood on Satan's Claw. Okay. Of this of this, it's one of the big eras of folklore. But it stars nice. Vincent Price in a very serious role. It's, there's a guy who just rides from rural town to rural town, saying <gasps> she's one. <laughs> we got a torturer to get her to confess, and just town to town. So it, oh it looks my god, great it looks great. Okay, I'll totally um, watch that. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. But <laughs> but yeah. So this. Yeah, so the, the just 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 take these the move of these two movies we're talking about to just sink into it and and don't get an outside perspective on it. That seems to me kind of adventurous because you know at least though it sounds like Witchmaster General or Witch Hunter General does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the most typical description of this of folk horror in general is there's a contemporary person usually who encounters a whole community say of of pagans who's, who've returned to ancient worship. Yeah. You know, that's Wicker Man, right? Yeah. Um, or it's in some way something's been dug up that unleashes, you know, oldie timey <laughs> pagan power, whatever. You know, but you almost always there's that kind of modern frame in the form of a character leading us in or some event that uncorks the so you get this this clash of the old of the old and new. Definitely. Um, but these movies don't. We're the new. I mean, we viewers. There's you just you just it just starts and you're in. You're in the old world. Yeah, and I I really appreciate that about you won't be alone too, as well as the witch. It's like paganism and whatever quote the old ways, which don't go away until contemporary like industrial modernity. They coexist, mm. and no one sees them as a contradiction. Mm. They're t- they're fully integrated, you mm. know, um, in these ways of like being in the world, and I like that. I think it's a good uh, like reminder these things did not seem contradictory yeah yeah easy, yeah. easy to overlap <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and easy. obviously you know puritans obsessed with witches demons the devil is ever present and it has to be guarded against and 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 so the whole development of the witches is so integral to a whole worldview where it's everywhere your lightest your lightest your lightest thought that's not pure <laughs> is yeah. the devil getting at you and the that also the impossibility of living that way yes trying to live some absolutely mentally and physically and physically pure life is so impossible it would drive anyone oh my god <laughs> to the opposite camp shall we say yeah um the sheer hopelessness of it, it would seem yeah um yeah so i so i do like that move though that seems super imaginative and, and really film is so good for that film and- is wonderful yeah that's the other thing about these stories like obviously the narrative is very compelling and it has all of the force of a fairy tale which is quite forceful Mm. indeed but there's so much opportunity for things to like this is a uniquely cinematic like uh these the the way these are told like the witch and you won't be alone is like so uniquely cinematic and it's not uh it can only be done through sort of like revealing the natural world and all its mystery um through film you know and all Mm -hmm. the trickery as well (laughs) that you Mm -hmm. can perform on on film um Mm -hmm. so like god bless it for that because so many films are just glorified i don't even know like (laughs) these scripts like they're all just plot 
plot, plot, yeah. plot, plot, plot. And this has yeah. a, these all have really strong plots, but they're mm. strong in the way that they're like simply told tales, you know? They're not like, like a bunch of fucking yeah. like details and like a web of stories, you know? It's, right. I really. And they're allowed, you're right, they're allowed to accrue power in a way that seems unforced. Exactly. Like you get a really powerful situation. That, yep. And then it's allowed to develop in this way. Because, you know, it also it gives you, it allows you to do a kind of independent film. It's demanding as it is. Yep. To find the wilderness, to find the place. There's ways, enough ways you can sheet a camera that you can do these kind of films for not, not such an astronomical amount of money. I right. mean, just reading about Eggers trying to find the forest. And, <laughs> and, you know, his own obsession comes out of, he was raised in New Hampshire and was always going to the, you know, the Plymouth Colony uh, Museum that they set up. Became obsessed um, history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clearly he's well, he's, he's much interviewed in this documentary I watched. Um, probably a lot of you have seen it. Um, it's been around a while. It's called, uh, where is it? Um, I always forget the title. Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folklore. It's very long, three hours plus. Um, but he's interviewed in it a number of times. And he has really interesting things to say. Like, for example, you know, his his Puritans are, in, you know, they're from England. So the family is literally from England. And the older sister can remember when they had glass windows and things, how nice that was. Um, so he's talking about how the figure of the hare, which is just a large rabbit, was was big in the in the imaginary of the English, and it didn't cross over. Mm. Presumably because we didn't we didn't have I don't know we just we either didn't have the size hare or we didn't have the obsession. But he's any and there are lovely images. You've probably also seen these. They're very funny. Sometimes there are memes made out of them of these <laughs> giant hairs on the edges <laughs> of all those of all those um you know what are they called you know uh what are the names of the like the holy works that ha- are illustrated. Oh yeah, the like name. the big medieval um, illuminated manuscripts. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yep, that's it. Um, yeah, so there's always these giant hairs, like taking a hatchet to somebody or doing something <laughs> very bold. <laughs> and so, and so he, he uses the first indications that there's a devil or among the first sightings. In and again, it's the use of the animal world is so powerful. It's films that these animals have an intense effect on everyone's. Not only are they key to their, their lives, but they become huge in their imaginary. So there's this close-up of a rabbit, and it's like the first time looking at a rabbit, you may ever have felt nervous. Something about the eyes of the rabbit, this black rabbit staring unblinkingly and kind of appraisingly at you. Yes. Um, that, that, are, that are in this moment are really terrifying. And he was like, yeah, I really wanted to bring back the hair, the figure of the hair. That was, that was um, kind of a central image and got lost. And So those kinds of those kinds of reviving and imaginary and finding a way to make it powerful again, those are really thrilling. And there's so many opportunities there because, you know, most people don't know anything, frankly, <laughs> about the past. <laughs> We're so cut yes. off. You know, we barely, there's barely history taught. It was always taught stupidly and badly. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to be on, on your own hook as far as reading up on stuff and looking into stuff to know about it. So it's that's something we could really go into in a big way, in a kind of experiential way that, again, film is very good at. Right. I, absolutely. And uh, oh, my God, Eileen, I wish you'd see you need to see this film because and you won't be alone. Guess what she gets to be animal wise. Uh-huh. She gets to be a dog. And I know a that's dog? your dream. Yes. Oh my god! And I know that that's your so dream. So unlikely. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> so, have you ever wanted to know what it's like to inhabit the body of a dog as uh-huh. a person? <laughs> well, you're you can find out. 
<laughs> so, wow, that's her last choice. That's so interesting. It's not, it's not her last choice, but it is. Oh, it's, it's one, one of, one the of choices. her choices. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, because she's trying for a halfway point. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. god. So well, because you know, dogs are all close to dependent on human beings. Exactly. But they don't have to be human beings. Right. <laughs> wow, that sounds fabulous. Oh my god. Yeah. And, you know, we should talk too. We talked about the the terrible. But we should also talk about what what's the fascination, what's the draw? Because, you know, Gothic, another huge, you know, area of melodrama and horror, also relies on this, what, this longing for pat, the past, for the ancestral, for the old, mm-hmm. even while it's scary. Yeah. And the idea that it can reinfect the contemporary world is the, is the source of chills and shudders and horror. Yes. Um, so the same impulse of wanting to go back, horrified, repulsed and then trying to get away from it it seems yeah. like it's, it's part of all of these so what is that about is it just you know well look how well we're doing and not so well yeah um, how's <laughs> modernity working out for you kind of thing totally i think yeah i really do I, I really i don't think it could get much i think the modernity thesis fits this one pretty well <laughs> <laughs> i think undeniably like we all feel unless you're someone who happens to be in the place where their ancestors live for thousands of years which is not many of us at this point uh-huh. I, you know i think we all feel completely cut off i think we feel rootless homeless um also that we lost a bunch of knowledge which we did um, it, you know, and I think these are like, uh, amazing, powerful fantasies of being restored through things like the land, you know, the witch fantasy is all about learning native plants, um, and mm. learning how to use them and like understanding your rootedness in like some very specific soil, <laughs> you know? Um, and I know, I don't think all of those fantasies have to be evil. I know that they've been the source of evil in the past 200 years. Mm. Um, but I think, I mean, you know, every fantasy has a fear and a, a, as a flip as a flip side, it just means it's a need. It doesn't mean that we have to like treat it with uh, violence, <laughs> you mm. know. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that I think that fantasy is very powerful about restoring like some link with the past. And obviously for women, you know, it's the it's one of the few images of feminine power that mm. exist frankly mm-hmm. it's and it's definitely the only there's a small handful of things you could think about in the past it's it's not fun to think of the past as a time of like a non-stop brutality and a abjection <laughs> you know mm. if you go back and imagine like what would my life be like if i were a woman 500 years ago i mean chances are it would suck maybe not <laughs> terribly you know maybe maybe absolutely awfully but um the witches and witches are the only what could you even imagine for yourself as some you know as an entity with like some kind of like agency like okay you get to be like a mother superior or a witch Mm. Mm. (laughs) or if you go back further some kind of like um you know uh temple uh what do they call them sacerdotessa oh i know what you mean you know Um, you tend you tend the temple the temple priestess yeah exactly exactly yeah there aren't a lot yeah. of options. There's not a lot of options. They're just, they're just, they're just are. Yeah. I mean, no, the, the best looking one is the one who knows the herb, the one who knows the spirit of power, the one yeah. who lives in the little cabin, the witch always lives. You can never find her living place. Yeah. It's always a cabin, an entirely self-sufficient cabin in the far, far woods that you have to go a long way to get. Yes. And it's not that nobody has ever lived that way. People have lived that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but you have to know a lot <laughs> to be able to survive as as you know 
as everyone knows, as yes. everyone knows, in all the back to the land revivals that there have been. I mean, even in the 1800s, you can read about what's the you know the um, Louisa May Alcott who wrote Little Women. Mm-hmm. Well, when I think which was very very young, her her father they did a back to the land thing. Oh, they tried to go survive way out, and they of course none of them knew enough about farming and everything else, and they just about starved to death. And and you know friends had to rescue them. Yeah, and you know they had this utopian ideal that you know they didn't they didn't attend to any of the practicalities like who's a doctor, who's, so that game you play, you know where it's like who has to be in your in your utopian world. Mm-hmm. Um, you better have a doctor, you better have knowledgeable farmers, you better have this, you better have, you got to have a carpenter, you got to have this, not. So all the hellaciously tons and tons of knowledge that you've got to have that you starts to be overwhelming once once you even think of that, and the witch figure has plus she's got supernatural power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so either way you go, if you go to, she's not really a witch, she's a woman of tremendous knowledge. And, and that's what's so kind of awful about the revival of the Wiccan, you know, and the, and the pagan, um, that, that impulse that's all over the place. <sighs> you, you tend not to get a lot. Maybe if you go into it, there's much more about like, no, these are people who are actually studying, you know, the earth and plant life in herbs and cures and they're really trying to trying, trying to recapture knowledge at least the image tends to be oh you buy some cheap you know green velvet cape and you go and caper <laughs> out under the moon right. <laughs> you know during solstices and shit um and that seems such a shame that's at least it's, it's at least the pop culture idea right and image that you tend to see yeah i you know, think it, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, and of course, there are people who like, you know, do very seriously, like set out to study this. But yeah, I think that's so true. Like, I mean, there are very few images of women with that kind of like knowledge, you know, yeah, um, that even exist to this day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I yeah, think it, so it, it seems like a closed path back if you look at your available, <laughs> you know, the idea that you could somehow wind your way back seems so impossible. So that means you're stuck where you are. Mm-hmm. So naturally, in our in our imaginary, we keep flailing around, going, "How do I get out of this? Couldn't we somehow go back?" Yeah, and the answer always winds up being in movies. The answer almost always no. Yes, yes, <laughs> no, 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 and this is why. But yeah. the but 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 these two seem to be different than that. They're not doing the you know contemporary person reencounters the old, mm-hmm. the truly the the truly ancient is horrified and tries to escape or is destroyed. You know, that's the cautioner. Um, right. And these two don't do that. I don't think so. I think they're, uh, they both end up being about like, I don't know, be where you are, <laughs> you know, kind of like. And you really could find your way to something within this hell world that is worth having. That's it. That's it. And like, how weird to find this in the folk horror genre. I know. <laughs> They seem like the most honest about what's awful about the world and also paradoxically the most hopeful, way more Uh hopeful than the sappy shit that comes out of like Kenneth Branagh or even Coda or whatever, you know? Um, know. Yeah, because much more sort of like conversant with the brutality of of life as well. Um, Yeah. Uh, Give it up for the witch genre. (laughs) Yeah. I hope there's lots more. I mean, because I have to say these two, the one, this one and the witch, very heartening. As soon as the witch came out and was so great (laughs) and got so well received, that's all I thought. Oh, I wish there could be so many more of these. Is there a way there could be so many more of these? 
seems like there should be a way. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. It's like kind of inspiring to me because I realize, man, crazy to watch this and like be so for me, this was so resonant of my weird genealogical obsessions. And mm. this was the same week I taught Donna Haraway on Onco Mouse and which is basically just a great book about like racial fantasies of blood <laughs> and kinship mm. and the violence they have historically done. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm, you know, uh-huh. I'm, very, I'm super aware of this. Um, uh-huh. And I, I can't, I, I'm for, like, personally, I'm not 100% Italian by any stretch. And so there is no real ancestral home for me. I'm like made up of many peoples, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I think a lot of us are. And yeah. I think that, but where I think it's hopeful is like, well, you could just use where you are to like do all this shit. You know, if you want a connection to the soil, you got soil outside your door, go fucking <laughs> sit in it, put your feet in the earth, learn about the native yeah. plants, say hi to the birds. You know, this is what your ancestors did. It doesn't, you don't have to be like Dracula importing your box <laughs> of earth from Transylvania or wherever. Yeah. Just, you know, sink your feet in the ground where you are. And I find that, I find that very inspiring. And the witches got me there. <laughs> yeah. And that's so folk horror. It's like literally the soil, the soil. Yeah. What's how much blood shed in it? How many people buried in it? You know, like, you know, basically that whole quote unquote Indian burial ground that gives rise to the haunting in America. Yeah. The whole country is. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's just layers and layers and layers of the dead and the wronged and, the, and it's all there. Yeah. No, literally, I'll tell you a touching story of my bizarro youth. I was so strange a kid that I felt somehow I couldn't get, I couldn't get to the core of like any being. I felt like I was living some sort of false life. Wow. And I'd go out and I'd, I'd do exactly that. I'd try to get my feet in the dirt. I'd mm-hmm. put dirt on me. Like, I got to get in. I got to get in. I'm not, I'm not in. I love that. <laughs> I'm not in life. Why am I not in life? <gasps> yeah. I was a little, I was a little tortured modernist kid. <laughs> I mean, that's so moving. That's so beautiful. Isn't I love it? that. Yes, totally. I didn't even know. I remember I told my my beloved late husband, Philippe, he was like, Eileen, you have the most amazing stories of them um, <laughs> that will you know, lock into all sorts of sophisticated theories and shit. And I'd be like, oh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just live in it. Yeah. Just live in so, it. So yeah, the soil's out there. Yeah. Go touch it. Go yeah. sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> Go dwell. Totally. That's and what... I think I think that's it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wanted to, I just want to say one other it's a totally straight point, but I, I wanted to point out it seemed really interesting and I meant to say it a million years ago. When you t- described the the sixteen years old, the yes. in, in um you know, it's it's so sleeping beauty. Yes. So very... that's right out of the fairy tale. Oh, it's a very it's definitely a fairy tale format. Which yeah. is which, which is, is wonderful. Very, which is very cool. It sounds like they just that they, they did that subtle thing where the you know that that story gives you know comes out of or relates to in such a nice way. In other words, in few if, if you know Sleeping Beauty, you should. <laughs> Basically, the parents are threatened by the evil witch fairy whatever who says, "I'm going to take your daughter," and they they do the same thing. They bargain, and it's like, okay, you can have her till she's 16, and then she's gonna these things are gonna happen. Yeah, destroy her, and then they go hide her. Yeah, um, and try to protect her. Yeah. And I mean, of course, the irony for our "you won't be alone" protagonist is that the um, the being hid away out, you know, away yeah. from the world is was so much worse torture than becoming a a witch. Yeah. It was much better to be a witch and be of the of the world um, than to right. be hidden from it. So yeah, 
Yeah, this is pro. That, hey, the pro moral life. of the story, practically. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, there you go. There you go. Like, I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so now that's it for our Witch Fest episode. Thank you, dear listeners, <laughs> and of course, triple thanks to our subscribers who keep us in pentagrams and pointy black hats. If you're not a subscriber yet, but you like what you hear, please consider signing up for Patreon for all the film suck content. Then just half, but it's publicly available. You can follow news of the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us in two weeks for our discussion of the figure of the vampire in film. And we realized in doing this, we are at exact a very odd time of the year to be talking horror films. So relentlessly, it is perverse of us. Oh, what else is now? I don't think so. Hey, it's it's almost Easter when we're recording this. So I think the undead is a very appropriate yeah, topic. Yeah, the undead and rising again. Yeah. That's a broad swath of, yeah. of subject matter covered there. Exactly. It's perfect for Easter. Yep. So until next time, thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye, guys.